Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. I'm Matt Davis. Welcome back to Parts Unknown. WrestleMania 34 is done and dusted, and this is where the new era of Parts Unknown really gets going as we begin our WrestleMania Rewind. Remember, as well as reviewing the current pay-per-views, we're going back in time, analysing all the Manias in reverse from 33 to 1. And it's WrestleMania 33, or WrestleMania Sun, because they don't give them numbers these days, from the Camping World Stadium, a.k.a. the Citrus Bowl in Orlando, Florida, that we are focusing on today. Here with me for this most fatal of four ways, Dr. Carrie Dunn, professor of wrestling and author of... Spandex Screwjobs and Cheap Pops, Inside the Business of British Pro Wrestling. Go buy it. John Ross, J.R. Swaby, the swipe meat baby face. And following your last appearance on PE, you've been off in Japan, so this makes that is you right. very much the Lord Tensai of this podcast. I like to think more El Generico. In fact, I was, that's what I was doing. I went to Japan, then I went over to Mexico, right? Went to see Generico at his uh, orphanage, um, helping out the kids, and here I am. Wow. Putting the rest of us in the shade, very much so. And last but not least, Ben Green, a.k.a. producer Ben, former host of PU, very much the Marty to my Sean. How are you? Still hurts, Matt. Still hurts. <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, I'm not really. All right, we're strapped in for the ultimate thrill ride. So in the words of Pitbull, give me the green light, because I'm ready to go. All right, before we get into a match-by-match breakdown, I wonder if we can remember how we felt in the build-up to this show. Were we excited, deflated? Were we mare, JR? Um, I was somewhat excited, I suppose. I mean, with this show, I do remember that for once, I felt that during the sort of February pay-per-views, there was a lot going on story-wise. We had, you know, title changes. We had um, Bray Wyatt um, winning the, the WWE title. You had the Festival of Friendship. So, yeah, I, it's fair to say I was pretty hyped. Carrie? Yeah, I'm... I'm always excited for WrestleManias, really, even if I don't think I care about anything in the in the actual lead up to it. I'm always excited before the actual WrestleMania. I always kind of think it will come through. But yeah, last year I was yeah pretty hyped, hoping for a, a really good show. And Ben, was this one that had you interested enough to stay up late and watch live? Oh, I never stay up late to watch it live. Um, and I've got to say that rewatching it again, seeing five hours ten minutes on the on the bottom of the network, that that was. Uh, you didn't watch the pre-show. I know. I think this is probably the longest WrestleMania we've had. And um, in terms of build and excitement for it, there wasn't... I mean, there were no enormously exciting storylines, which was uh, personified by the first match that went on, AJ versus Shane, which was... I I find it really offensive that uh, AJ is bumping around for multi-millionaire Shane. No McMahon should be on a card ever. And I'm I'm sticking to my guns on that. I think that's possibly a fair point we'll, we'll, we'll go in order let's let's briefly touch on the kickoff before we get into um, into the main card because there's a couple of, of points of note we got we got a few matches on this the first one the kickoff show by the way over two hours long in and of itself but first up we had austin aries versus neville for the cruiserweight title now these two wrestlers are effectively no longer with the company 12 months later and neville's still under contract as we record austin aries obviously back in um, in impact wrestling i wonder jr is it too simplistic to say that this match played a large part in both of them leaving in terms of the positioning of it maybe so i would personally argue that these days the pre-show has almost become as part of wrestlemania as wrestlemania itself and i think they would have got had they been on the main show they wouldn't perhaps not have had as much time to really show what they can do i really enjoyed this match um it's a shame that people are still kind of filtering into the stadium and so that that you know it was the crowd's a little bit dead um but yeah i mean ultimately i'm sure they both would have wanted to be on the main show and carrie it was when you look at it in totality including nxt it was a pretty disappointing wwe run for austin aries all told wasn't it i think he's probably slightly culpable for that but the fact that they didn't get 
the payoff for being on the WrestleMania DVD was a big issue for these two guys, wasn't it, as I remember? Apparently so, yeah. Austin Aries is a funny one. Um, I had an argument with him on Twitter once. That was quite funny. Um, he was having a rant about how no wrestling fan should ever use the word botch because right. we have no right to use the word botch. Their word. Yes, it's yeah. their personal word, and they're the only ones who really understand it. And I said, how can you possibly say that? If people know what a word means, you can use it. And so he was DMing me, explaining what he was trying to mean. I said, but okay, I've got a degree in English literature, so but I haven't written Jane Eyre. Does that mean that I can talk about Jane Eyre? And he said, well, yes, obviously, because you're trained. I said, okay, so how is it different from a wrestling fan using the term botch? Anyway. But surely botch isn't, <laughs> botch isn't even a wrestling word. That's just a general, a general English word. language word, right? You know what wrestlers are like, mm. bunch of blinking carnies. Anyway. Um, did you get the last word on that? I argument? did get the last word wow, on that. that's impressive. <laughs> well, I think he might have just given up, to be honest. <laughs> he might have thought he had better things to do than argue with a chippy British woman. But, um, yeah, what was I saying? Austin Aries, yes. I I always thought it's quite a quite a weird signing. Actually, I never kind of saw him um, probably progressing to the to the main event in WWE. I always thought he'd be a solid hand in NXT, and I enjoyed his stuff in NXT, and I thought he'd be good in the cruiserweight division. But conversely, I don't think Neville ever really saw himself as part of the cruiserweight division, which I think was his issue there because he thought he could be competing against you know the heavyweights, which I think is probably true. So I think this kind of boxes that uh, WWE want to put people in now has gone a long way towards that uh, Neville contract situation. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Neville won with um, an absolutely beautiful red arrow. Next up, we got the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. Amongst the entrants, Braun Strowman, Dolph Ziggler, Killian Dane, The Usos and Luke Harper. The final four were Sami Zayn, who was eliminated by Killian Dane, Jinder Mahal and Mojo Rawley. So after Zayn was eliminated, we got Rob Gronk Gronkowski getting involved, an American footballer who's mates with with Mojo Rawley. Jinder had to bump for him. Mojo eliminated Dane and then and then Jinder. Ben, it's been a, a remarkable 12 months for Mojo Rawley. What, what, what's been your highlight on this on this fantastic ride that he's been on as a result of getting this momentous victory? He just pushed his career up into orbit, didn't it? Yeah, well, there was that thing with and uh, that victory against... and the time, All the times he was hyped? Yeah, all of that. Oh, Mojo Rawley. I'm not a hype brother at all. I'm I'm an introvert rather than an extrovert, so I find his whole character quite offensive. Yeah, th- this this is symptomatic of what the Andre the Giant Battle Royals become, and you know we'll we'll discover in later episodes when we go further back in time, like WrestleMania 30. They've got a fantastic Andre the Jobber. Um, this was not a highlight. No. It was nice to see Jinder though. Yeah, yeah, well, it, this was the start of the Jinder push, really, wasn't it? It was when he was all big and veiny for the first time, and, and we wondered what he was doing in the last two of this. But, but yeah, there, there you go. He would go on to be world champion, and Mojo Rawley would also go on to be on SmackDown. So next up, the final match on the kickoff was Dean Ambrose versus Baron Corbin for the IC title, which Ambrose won. Frankly, has anybody got anything of interest to say about this match? I love Dean Ambrose, but no, I don't care. So that was the end of um, the kickoff show. We go on to the main show. Michael Cole, Corey Graves, Byron Saxton start on commentary. Graves' first WrestleMania this, which I don't know why. That, that kind of surprised me a bit. You kind of think that he's been there for ages, but not. Uh, we got New Day coming out to kick things off. They were the host with this stupid ice cream truck gimmick that they were doing at the time. I was not a fan of that. But anyway, they, they set it up with standard New Day uh, New Day shtick. And then we got the AJ versus Shane match, which um, Ben has already had a rant about. Anybody else? Anybody a fan of Shane McMahon wrestling a match at WrestleMania? No. Not really. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I think we can, we can all agree on that I, one. What? I will say this. I, I do think... In terms of Shane matches, WWE have kind of booked themselves into a corner because if you look at last year, it took, what, falling off a cage and a tombstone and whatever else to, to, for The Undertaker to put Shane down. So now they, it's not like they, they have to book Shane against main eventers and they have to make him look strong against them. Otherwise, all their previous booking just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, one positive to come from this, I think, I'm not sure if you agree with me, Carrie, is that... It, AJ Styles, this this has helped his career trajectory because he's proven to Vince that he can do something good with his son and we know what a massive benefit that is. And you just have to look at the 12 months that AJ's had subsequently to say, to be able to say with some certainty that it was worth it for AJ to be in this match. Yeah, um, we're saying that Austin Aries not ever having kind of uh, looked like he was going to fit into WWE. I was kind of a little bit doubtful about AJ, to be honest, when he first arrived and I just was thinking... He has too much of the TNA stamp 
about him and I thought maybe that would affect the way he was booked and the way that he was uh, characterised, I guess. But no, I think he's been incredible and I think, as you say, uh, both taking those bumps for Shane and making him look good as well as being a fantastic main eventer in his own right I think just had an incredible year it's been amazing yeah I liked on the um, 24 episode that he uh, of this Wrestlemania that they show him just about to go out behind the curtain and he just looks to the camera and says sorry guys I'm about to steal the show and I don't think he did but I love his confidence so he won didn't he eventually with the phenomenal forearm for the pin I sort of remember this as a straight wrestling match but they had the garbage cans out which are important because of litter and everything yeah, you yeah, ab- those under the ring. absolutely. I, you know, I, I was going to say just to to add to the to all the stuff about AJ. Just, I think it's such a testament as to what a great performer he is that he actually made Shane's punches look okay. <laughs> <laughs> ben, the set was rather elaborate. It had a massive roller coaster and the longest ramp in the history of rampage. What did you think of it as a whole? Well, t- two things. I think that uh, certainly for this first match, I think they really missed a trick with um, Shane not jumping off the the ring on top of the ring there because you know he always has to top what what he's done before. That would have been something. That would have been a WrestleMania moment, which we haven't said yet so no. far in this show. But also, I think that the um, the rampway, which was as you, you've just said, spectacularly long. I think that this. In terms of storylines for all the shows, there was no, there were no run-ins in any of these matches, and I think this was as much a practical thing um, a great point. as a as a storyline thing because you know in in subsequent matches we I remember when we were previewing this show, uh, John Ross, we were talking about Finn Balor or Samoa Joe doing a run-in or The Rock doing a surprise entrance or something like that, and there was nothing. There was nothing. There was no one coming down the long ramp. There was no music hit, which you know counts as a run-in sometimes these days like i say i think that's a practical thing yeah and it was notable that practically everybody's entrance theme played twice on the way to the <laughs> ring because the walk was so long um so next up we got kevin owens pinning chris jericho to win the u.s title byron saxton telling us that youtube star lily singh is in attendance so that sort of made my Ooh. wrestlemania not quite sure if she is but and um, we got a festival of friendship recap before um this obviously we get the hype videos for every match I'm going to be controversial and say I think that that's a pretty overrated segment. I like the beat down at the end, but what went before I thought was um, sort of a bit silly. Um, I can you've, sort of you've sense offend, the anger in the room. You've offended us all, Matt. We're walking out. <laughs> Everybody else loves it but me, basically. I'm yeah. about to hit you with a chair in the style of Seth Rollins. Okay. I thought they both did very well on the mic for all of this, and it didn't it didn't live up to what had been done as a promo as an in-ring product at the end for the payoff and and if you see the it's the 365 doc mm. isn't it Vince is not happy with how this match goes either and do you think that was legit for anybody who hasn't seen it Kevin Owens 365 on the network following him for a year he goes back to Gorilla after this match and as everybody apparently does and checks in with Vince is that okay and Vince basically he doesn't look him in the eye does he he just sort of says no that's not what we were looking for I mean, I like this match. I really like the Frankensteiner. I love the finger on the rope. Yeah, I that thought was that was amazing. absolutely that, yeah. brilliant. Uh, fantastic healery. Um, and I love, I love Kevin Owens for, for a man with such a big tummy. He can move. Um, and, you know, he's very physical and he talks in the ring all the time. But he's not, or, or perhaps this is not what Vince was looking for. I don't know what I mean, he was looking I don't for. Know what Probably was... an involvement from a McMahon. I don't know what he was looking for, <laughs> indeed. But um, but I, I will say this. I, I did enjoy the match. I think it was a good match. However, I felt it was... Um, it was surpassed by the build. I mean, Jericho was white hot uh, mm. in the in the build to this. Kevin Owens has, has been great as well. And then, yeah, it just felt... I love the match, but it felt a bit flat, ultimately. And in terms of the year that they've both had since, Carrie, do you think that Chris Jericho's maybe enjoyed a, a better subsequent 12 months. He's had the match with Kenny Omega. He's got his his rock and wrestling cruise coming up. He's a bit of a renaissance man, really, isn't he? Whereas Owens is kind of a little bit stayed maybe this this year. Yeah, Jericho has done a lot of strange stuff this year, actually. And I did kind of find it very weird that uh, he dedicated that match with Omega to, uh, to his fallen brethren, including... Um, <laughs> A certain other Canadian. Right, who we shall not name. Who we shall not name, which I thought was a bit strange. And I thought perhaps that the uh, unprotected chair shots they were doing in that match were also kind of an inappropriate tribute. Yeah, good year for Jericho in terms of the stuff that he's doing. Owens is doing okay. I mean, I think that 
Owens works best when he has got this kind of uh, personal connection to draw on in terms of the storyline stuff. So putting him back with Sammy has been fantastic. And I thought the festival of friendship that um, he did with Jericho was was amazing stuff. There's Owens is a fantastic actor, bearing in mind he's always working in his second language as well. Mm. It's really, really um, emotive and touching, I think. Yeah, and of course we got the Vince stuff as well, didn't we, this year, which was um, amazing. Yeah, do you, see, do you see Jericho coming back to WWE again? I do, actually. Um, Are you I, excited by that? No, I'm not, but I do see him doing it. He's one of those ones I think is going to keep flitting in and out. He's got that kind of sprinkling of star quality that they'll bring in every so often. I don't think he'll do kind of one of those... Uh, uh, part-time contracts and I think he's going to be back at any kind of regular basis but they'll bring him in for a couple of runs okay, Can I ask a follow-up question to uh, to everyone here as well uh, Jericho in pants or Jericho in longer lycra? I always like longer lycra I know that that is like a, it's seen as a mid-carders thing but um, it, it, the the less view of a lunchbox I've got is sort of more comfortable I feel Anybody else oh, want I'm to answer that? I'm, 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 t- I'm, in a, I'm in agreement in general I, I, I much prefer the longer lycra I mean I don't know maybe that's just because I I it's a HBK thing and always makes me think of that. Um, that said, I wasn't that keen when Dolph started using it, but um, that's that's a whole other whole other thing. I think he takes far too much away um, from HBK that becomes a bit more more than a tribute. Um, Jericho, however, um, I think when he's in shape, I, I, this is a terrible to say, but when he's in when he's in shape, I actually do kind of prefer him in the shorter lycra. Um, but it, you know, it's uh, that's that's if and when. So. Well, the important thing about Jericho's ring gear it is the jacket that lights up. Yeah. So, you know, as long as he's got that, it's That's fine. That's true. Or the scarf in this yeah, case. Or the scarf, scarf yeah. This, which, was, which was nice. So we went from that to Bailey winning a four-way to keep the Raw women's title in an elimination match over Charlotte, Sasha Banks and Nia Jax. Went just over 12 minutes this. Now, Bailey joined Raw in August 2016. She won the title via an assist from Sasha uh, in February. She then defended it against Charlotte at Fastlane to end Charlotte's pay-per-view streak. My favourite thing about this match and one of my favourite things about this mania as a whole was Charlotte's entrance, which was obviously a tribute to uh, her dad, Ricks, at Mania 24, his last match at the same venue. Um, Charlotte is building a really impressive legacy in terms of pay-per-view matches, but I think in terms of WrestleMania, she could be seen as the poster girl for women's wrestling at WrestleMania if she has another five, ten years of matches of the quality that she's had over the last two. I don't know about anyone else, but I thought she was the star of this. Match. Absolutely. I, and I, the the almost scary thing is she's just scratching the surface of her powers. Uh, there's, I think there's so much better to come. It really felt... I was actually... Um, I remember I was actually surprised to see um, Bailey come out on top in this because Charlotte's entrance—it just felt like it felt like she was gonna she was gonna she was gonna win, um, it, you know, with all the fireworks and it was so grand. And I kept on talking about how it was um, it was the arena where where uh, her dad Ric Flair retired, and yeah, I was really surprised. Yeah, I, that entrance was amazing, actually. And the, the the peacock feathers on the jacket, and I was just thinking, I would love a coat like that. <laughs> I would also like fireworks to go off in the room whenever I you know, enter a room as, as a kind of welcome. That would be amazing. Take note, Ben, for <laughs> next recording. <laughs> we'll, have to, we'll have to add some pyro to the budget for this show. Um, can I just say something about Bailey, um, who I've hugged? You've hugged as well, Matt. Hugged, yeah, yeah. Her character was is sorely underdeveloped. She, she has nothing beyond sort of being the plucky underdog and, and a hugger. And uh, she's still stuck in this kind of funk with that character. They haven't done anything to, to evolve her. She was a very unpopular champion. She was rushed into the championship spot when uh, Charlotte and Sasha Banks were head and shoulders above everyone else in that division. Um, so there's a big, you know, they've really, they've really ballsed up with Bailey and still haven't corrected that course. I also think in terms of Charlotte as well, they've, they've messed about with her being a heel and a babyface. She's so much better as a heel. Oh, yeah. Um, they just need to stick with that. She's, she's a bad person. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. I, I, I think her corkscrew moonsault off the top rope to the outside is in equal parts the most amazing and genuinely frightening part of a Wrestlemania when she does it. You, it's one of those look-through-your-fingers moments, isn't it? You, you want to watch, but you're scared of what's going to happen. I mean, the athleticism to do that, never mind the bravery, is just ridiculous so we went from this to the tag title match um it was a four-way as it turned out matt and jeff hardy won the titles over enzo amore big cash sheamus and cesaro and the champions luke gallows and carl anderson um obviously the Hardys the main story of this the first note i made here was remember enzo and cass and how over they were <laughs> yeah whatever happened to them a year's a long time in wrestling right i've always hated enzo so you know circumstances of his expulsion 
abhorrent, but I'm pleased to see him out of uh, WWE in the spotlight. So Yeah, I kind of thought they were winning this match. Um, Sheamus and Cesaro came out wearing kilts with suit jackets and bow ties. It was not a good look, I didn't think. Can anybody defend that fashion choice? The silence. It was both. It was, yeah, it, it represented both for them in all their gimmicks at the time. It's all I can say. Yeah. It was a thing. I can defend it a little bit. At least they're matching. I enjoy tag teams in matching gear. Yes. There we go. Very to true. be fair, right, I don't know if there are any Dragon Ball Z fans in the room, but they were doing the whole sort of like fusion pose thing at the time. So it's maybe that it was sort of a, a reflection of that, like their sort of, they'd fused gimmicks or something. All right, I'll take yeah. your word for that. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've got a soft spot for Seamus and Cesaro because uh, my oldest son is, uh, he's just started getting into wrestling this year. Um, and Seamus is his favourite person. And uh, when we went to the live event um, at Wembley in May, he burst into tears because we had to leave before Seamus and Cesaro <laughs> came out. So, what an and, he's a, and he's a Liverpool fan. Yeah. <laughs> um, I wanted to give some props here to New Day. They come out to introduce the Hardys, but what I really liked about this was when they were saying, it's a fatal four-way, we need a fourth team. They did a very deliberate walk down the ramp to the ring, as in, this is going to be us, and it totally suckered me in. I was like, oh, what, really? That's the surprise team. Then, of course, the music pops. We get the Hardy boys. Was this the peak reaction of the crowd at this WrestleMania or any WrestleMania for the last five years? (laughs) Well, I don't know about for the last five years, but for this WrestleMania, absolutely. And the thing is, a lot... it, It wasn't... I, it was a weird thing because it, I felt like it was a shock, but not a shock. Like it, it made, it kind of made sense. It was a ladder match, all this kind of stuff. People were chanting delete before the music even hit. But um, yeah, it's just what a moment. Ben, did you see the 24 episode in the footage they had of Matt and Jeff backstage? Yeah, uh, hiding Amazing, in, hiding it? in the, in the truck. In the trailer. Right? And, and the fact that Jeff was so hyped. Um, I thought this is actually quite interesting in terms of obviously we know Jeff's got problems with addictions and stuff himself, but the way he was talking himself through it, like, I'm sorry, I'm really, really nervous. I'm really, really nervous. But then saying, but I'm going to be okay because the adrenaline kicks in. I just thought that it, it, there was something quite interesting in that about how he managed his mind and because he was sort of shouting in the trailer and all sorts, wasn't he? Really, really getting worked up about it, which was kind of nice to see that he cares that yeah, much about exactly. it. Yeah, exactly. It's nice to see that he cares. And, and certainly, in, uh, as to your question about Pop of the Night and everything, you know, the crowd clearly cared here. This was the loudest reaction that anyone got. And actually, I think the crowd went downhill from, from here mm. on. I think this is about an hour and a half, two hours into the show now. They get this massive, massive moment. And then it goes, it goes pretty quiet. That 20 foot swanton was, was sort of crazy, but quite And nearly killed Cesaro. Well. Yes, yes, yeah. but it didn't, so it's fine. You know, everything's fine. Nothing will kill Cesaro. The man's made of <laughs> titanium or something. He's a cyborg. He's the Swiss cyborg, as WWE would have you believe. His mouth is certainly made of titanium oh, these days, isn't it? Bless him. Right, so next up we get John Cena and Nikki Bella beating The Miz and Maurice in about 10 minutes. Um, rather than focus on the match, can we just appreciate how amazing Miz and Maurice in particular were in the build-up? And, and also, what a great vehicle for progressing feuds Talking Smack was at this time, because that, that was where this really kicked into life. Yeah, absolutely. I miss Talking Smack. That was really, really good. Mm. And... I was. I'm still kind of amused by the fact that uh, Daniel Bryan and Renee Young only found out they had been cancelled on Twitter. Yeah, and then did a show on Tout yeah. the next week. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, um, Maurice's uh, knack for impersonating Nikki Bella uh, needs to be, I think, made into a DVD box set. I would definitely buy that. Yeah, I keep going back to this 24 thing, but but it is worth watching if you haven't seen it. They, they Miz and Marie speak about how when you touch on something that's that's close to the bone in wrestling, that's when you get the best reaction. And JR, we had um, Cena in the build-up talking about, if I get, got what I want, I'd be standing opposite The Undertaker, not you. And when you get those little elements of truth, it definitely does add something. Oh, absolutely. I mean, even if even if it's all, if it's all ultimately a work and we all got worked, it's like just bringing that bit of reality, just that little nod for the smart fans. It's, yeah, it really does something. Um, I just wanted to say, like, I find it kind of ironic that in that the kind of in the build to the storyline, you know, Miz and Marie sort of kind of making fun of Cena and Nikki for like total bellers and the whole reality show stuff. They've got their own reality show now. <laughs> Miz and Mrs. Miz and Mrs. Yeah. yeah. You look at the 12 months that Miz has had since, uh, obviously, you know, he's going to become a dad as well, but 
Ben, is there is there any reason why Miz can't headline another WrestleMania, but in a non-controversial, he deserves it kind of way? Do you see Vince going that far with him? I think he'll get rewarded for his loyalty and his uh, persistence, uh, certainly dedication, and uh, his putting in the extra work and the extra miles. Apparently, he's he's very good with all the publicity stuff. Uh, you know, he'll he'll turn up to all the events to acting lessons he's got the marine series yes i I think that miz will be headlining let's say for by 36 all right and what's your favorite marine film all of them yeah of course (laughs) Um, can i say that my favorite my favorite bit in this in this match was in the the proposal moment where john cena and his massive hands gets out this teeny tiny ring um and he uses nikki's real real name and I can't remember what that was. Stephanie Nicole Garcia Colas. <laughs> yeah, I've, <laughs> I've, I've about, I'm, I'm not even. I'm, here, I'm not even ashamed. I've watched Total Bellas. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to Parts Unknown. Remember, you can follow us on Twitter at the PU Podcast. So next up, we are going into Seth Rollins pinning Triple H in an unsanctioned match. Um, this match was way too long. It was 25 minutes. That's my hot take on it. But I remember in terms of the build being really impressed with Rollins turning up at the takeover. And that actually there was a lot of doubt, wasn't there, about whether Rollins was going to be able to take part in this match because of his knee injury. And then he had flu on the day of the event. But although it was a slightly disappointing match, I really enjoyed the build to this. Well, his his uh, his appearance at that NXT event where he's super shaky. Uh, so I don't know if he's got I don't know if he's got the flu there. He is so so hyped up there, having missed many of the previous year because of injury, of course. Yeah, uh, I thought he did very well here. Triple H obviously gets his standard WrestleMania ludicrous entrance with police bikers and Steph, who always looks sensational at WrestleMania, on his back. Um, Triple H announced as a 14-time world champion here. Carrie, do you think that he is savvy slash selfless enough not to book himself to overtake Cena and Flair? Um, I think Triple H has underlying rivers of selflessness. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I have actually been really impressed in some of the stuff that he's done recently uh, in terms of the way that he's willing to kind of show a little bit of uh, vulnerability. I mean, the bumpy took off Ronda, for example. I was pretty impressed by that. What about Survivor Series? Yeah, let's talk about Survivor Series. Um, and the bump that he gave. Yeah, to- let's not <laughs> talk about Survivor Series. I'm trying to defend your mate Paul. Come on. I do think that his ego is still plated enough that he might potentially book himself <laughs> to overtake the records at some point in the future. There's a kind of an odd dichotomy there, I think, with Triple H. I think there's this kind of hard-working... Selfless uh, NXT, selfless proper, NXT pull, yeah. proper pull. And then you've got the main event, Triple H, McMahon, Dynasty, Triple H. So, yeah. He gets a fair bit of stick, JR, but this was his 21st Mania match, which is pretty impressive. Yeah, I think I, he's, only missed, he's only missed one Mania up to yeah, this point. Yeah, that's what they said, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. Through injury, when he tore his quad, he was out yeah. for, um, for 23. Is part of the reason that he gets a bit of stick, particularly for his Mania match, is the fact that this match with, as we said, a Seth who was injured nil went 25 minutes. I mean, you could have oh. shaved 10 minutes off this match easily. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the, I think the silver lining in terms of this match, it was far too long. Um, the silver lining, I did... I did like I like when when uh, they work a body part. I like when there's a little bit of story, and I will give them that. You know, um, Triple H spent the whole time working on Seth's um, taped up knee, um, but yeah, ultimately it's it, it's it's trips, isn't it? It's yeah, it's yeah. What what I would have liked to have seen in this because it's an unsanctioned match, and un- unsanctioned matches they necessitate that uh, both. Uh, participants should be wearing jeans. Yeah, street clothes. Yeah, uh, with some knee pads over that and some cowboy boots. And they should hit each other with belts and there should be some trash cans. Um, You know, Seth Rollins turning up in his gold outfit with a torch. He ruined this street fight unsanctioned business for me. And he looked ridiculous. Yeah. And why is there a referee? That's true. That's very true. Um, Do you think, Ben, that uh, Seth has benefited as a result of pinning 
Triple H at Mania beyond getting a T-shirt with Kingslayer written on it. <laughs> um, I think that Seth has had an interesting year where he's had to uh, hold the hands of his two Shield brothers, um, and he hasn't brought much good luck to either of them. Uh, Roman's mumps, uh, Ambrose's rotator cuff, and now uh, Jason Jordan. Um, uh, you know, Seth Rollins is far too good for the tag division. I can understand why they put him in there because the tag division is dreadful at the moment. But he is such a talented performer. He should have been main eventing WrestleMania 34 against AJ. That is my dream match in WWE at the moment. I mean, much more than Nakamura versus AJ. Um, so, you know, I, I don't think he has benefited greatly from You know from what, I match. will say he has benefited in one way. And I think, in a way, this match needed to happen because he needed to stop using the pedigree. It did not suit him mm. at all. And I'm so glad that, I don't know if they're calling it the curb stomp or the blackout now, but I'm so glad that's back because those faces he made whenever he hit the pedigree, it's just ridiculous, isn't it? And do you think this was a legit injury that he suffered from the Samoa Joe beatdown going into this? Ooh, that's a good question. I think yes. Or will we, will we work, brother? Or was it a shoot? I think it was a shoot. No, I think it was a shoot. Um, if you listen to the conversation that they actually have... Mm, in the ring. In the ring... See, you, you never listen to what they're actually... You can't hear, can you, Ben? No, you, I've, I've, never you heard never seen, I've never heard Cena call a spot. Oh, and well. I've watched the Rumble from this year three times, specifically okay. to watch these bits. No. OK, well, I'll ruin it for you, but um, Samoa Joe and Seth, um, they do have a conversation, and they're, they're whispering, but... Um, well, they're whispering, I love you? Well, yeah, obviously. Brother. But, that, brother. I'm really sorry, I've just and destroyed, I've, I've destroyed your, your, knee. your knee again. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so Seth's kind of going, my knee's gone. And Joe's just like, okay, we can, we'll work something out to get out of this. And yeah, it's it's always quite interesting when you hear wrestlers um, talk about what's actually legitimately going on and how they're actually constructing a match and how they're getting out of problems as in and a knee completely collapsing well, well if his knee was completely collapsed then then even more kudos to him for the the phoenix splash and the falcon arrow. He's so good in the ring. And um, what did everyone think about Steph's bump? Yeah, I, I mean, it's very gentle. It, there's, there's there's one time a year generally where Steph actually sells for somebody something. <laughs> so it was nice that she did it for her husband at WrestleMania. I don't like how these days every Triple H match at WrestleMania ends the same way. It ends with Steph taking a bump, Trips getting distracted, then whoever he's facing hits their finisher. I'd rather that than him beating Sting, but I take mm. the point. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, so next up, what I think we can probably all agree was the flattest match, the biggest letdown of this WrestleMania card. Randy Orton beating Bray Wyatt to win the WWE title in just over 10 minutes. We've got a special correspondent from Parts Unknown live via satellite. Anton Tolui is going to fill us in on this match. Bray Wyatt versus Randy Orton at WrestleMania. The biggest match from the SmackDown card. And the biggest problem should have been that it followed a performance by Pitbull, who, let's be honest, is what, a middle-aged man in a white suit that looks like he'd made his fortune selling fake tan or selling back-alley breast implants. But we got through that, finally. And the pre-match montage, although well-produced, just reminded you of the constant gimmicks in the build-up. Orson joined the Wyatts, then he turned his back on him, then he burnt down his shed, because for some reason Bray lives in a wooden shed he probably bought in B&Q. Then Wyatt responded by rubbing the ashes of his dead alter ego into his face. And then finally Randy got a circular crucifix telling the world he'll destroy. I mean, my God, it was awful, wasn't it? It was interminable. And this business went on for weeks. Orton won the Rumble, what, the January before? Wyatt got the belts after the win at the Elimination Chamber. And that should have been, you know, she made us happy. It should have been the battle between a well-respected veteran and a man looking to take the mantle of WWE's darkest heel. Instead, what we got was a complete turkey. Two minutes in, Wyatt does his usual yoga crab, aren't I scary, have an upside-down beard, and then boom, maggots appear in the ring for some reason. Is Orton freaked out? No, he just, just walks out of the ring. So his reaction is exactly the same as everyone else. Meh, 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 whatever. It happens again a couple of times. There's some cockroaches on the screen towards the end. Yeah. You've got to remember, this is more than three and a half hours into the main show. Never mind the epic pre-show. The crowd is quiet. It's unimpressed. Everyone's in shock, exclaims JBL. He's trying to sell it as much as possible. They aren't. They're off having a piss break. They're chatting to themselves. They do not care. Bray is shouting throughout the whole match, I'm a god! 
You're not, mate. You went to Maplin, you bought a projector, you got a couple of YouTube clips, you put them onto the screen, big flipping deal. And then bang, an RKO at the end after the whole cockroachy thing, and it's over. I genuinely believe that neither men have recovered from this match. White's become a mid-card master whose career has sunk to the depths he may never bounce back from during the whole I am Sister Abigail because I look like an orange cross-dresser thing. Let's be honest, he was saved by meningitis. That's the only thing that killed that awful, awful thing. Orton, well, he hasn't been in a good feud for years. His tired character, his inability to modernise, he can't be fun. He just generally looks bored while cashing in his massive paycheck. No one cares who's going to get an RKO next. This match was the beginning of Wyatt's demise and should have been the point that Orton reflected on what he's become. Carrie, if you um, could reinvent Bray Wyatt, what, how big a change would you make to his character? I think they missed a trick with Bray Wyatt um, about a year or so ago when it looked like they were about to turn him face. Do you remember that tag match he was having with Roman Reigns? And it was like he magicked Roman Reigns to hit the Superman punch, was it? And it was yeah. just—it was just like he, like, was, he like pointed at he him, just didn't pointed, he? And he yeah. wasn't even looking. He just pointed, and he hit it. And I was thinking, oh, face Bray Wyatt, yeah, liking it. And then nothing ever happened with it. So I think that would be quite interesting if they could find something for him to do with that. Well, I, I'll tell you one thing they definitely shouldn't do, and that's put a dirty tablecloth on him and uh, distort his voice and sort of <laughs> move it up a pitch and make him uh, Sister Abigail. Oh, that, was, uh, that, was, uh, that was a very, very near miss that would have finished him off um, as a performer. You know, as it is, he's, he's 0-3 at WrestleMania and he's... You know, he went in as the uh, as the champion here, and everyone was quite excited by that because finally, uh, Bray, who loses every feud he's in, we thought, you know, this is this is the moment. This is finally when they're going to get his character right. But again, he loses, and he's lost everything. He was part of the Rock and the Stone Cold thing at thirty two, um, thirty one. He wasn't there. He was meant to be against uh, Brock, I think, after what had happened in the Royal Rumble. He fought Cena at 30. It's so disappointing to see that. Um, So I think that he should probably just have uh, a shave and a nice bath. I think the problem as well of what what they were doing with Bray is that while um, you know while Matt was enjoying so much success with the broken Matt Hardy thing in TNA that um, or whatever it was called at that particular moment in time um, WWE kind of felt like they wanted to you know make Bray into that kind of thing for a bit and that's why and he was having these ridiculous matches and then even when you know the Hardys um, came back to WWE and there was still these talks going on about about the um, trademarking of the the broken gimmick WWE went ahead and they did the the House of Horrors match with Randy Orton and I just kind of feel like now now he's in this now he's in program with with Matt and the ultimate deletion or whatever I, I kind of feel like they've gone down this path of just putting him in these ridiculous angles and I don't know how they how they get him out of that without without changing his gimmick i think he ought to have a look at drew mcintyre and cody rhodes and say i'm going to take a year or two out of wwe and come back when you've got something meaningful for me to do so that's that we spent quite a long time on that match considering um, how little time wwe spent on it on the night now next up another short match another title match brock lesnar pinning bill goldberg in under five minutes to win the universal title um I absolutely loved this match. I thought it was ridiculous, bonkers, hard-hitting, short, sharp, just what it needed to be. It was a video game, wasn't it? The Fantasy match was a video game. Warfare just got real. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, absolutely. It was a, it was a video game. It was for a short match. It was there was so much going on. It was um yeah, inc- incredibly well done. It was never going to go on for very long, was it? No. Brock and Goldberg, god. Um yeah, Goldberg was gassed just getting to the ring with that uh, massive ramp, but uh, yeah, it was fun. This is Kind of what this is what I want from Lesnar and Goldberg. I don't want to see them go twenty five minutes. I don't want to see them talk. I don't want to see them have a storyline. I just want to see them just hit each other really hard and then go away. And uh, and Brock's leapfrog over Goldberg's spear was particularly impressive for yeah. such a big guy. Yeah. They, I, well, so there were four spears and ten suplexes. Um, ben. How much does Paul Heyman add to a match when he's on the outside of the ring counting the suplexes for the fans? That is that is one of my favourite Heyman spots. Yeah, Heyman is integral to everything that Brock does. You know, no 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 surprises there. Um, I, I was less impressed, I have to say. I thought the hype promo here, uh, building it up as a fairy tale, I thought that they, they shot and missed there. I, I didn't think that worked. 
Sí, well. he did the narration, didn't he? And it That's was, right. It, it was sort of a little bit too long, and you know, the the beast, the monster, blah blah. I blah. mean, it was it was longer than the match. It was probably longer than their entire trilogy. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm very pleased to see the back of Goldberg now. You know, I've, his 24 and doing everything for his son, I found very cringy. Legit Hall of Famer. Uh, I'm not a WCW person at all, so um, can, I can take or leave Goldberg. I thought it was entirely underwhelming, his WWE run. It was only marginally less underwhelming than his uh, run as Universal Champion. Wow. Cutting. Have that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, hopefully Bill's not listening. Sorry if you are. All right, so we go from that to maybe one of the biggest disappointments of the night, I think. Naomi wins a six-way to win the SmackDown Women's title over Alexa Bliss, who is the champion, Carmella, Natalia, Becky Lynch and Mickey James. This went just over five minutes. Carrie, it was a bit of an afterthought, really, wasn't oh, it? Oh, absolutely. This was just kind of throwing, throwing the girls in and tell them to get on with it like it historically has been pre-women's revolution five minutes perfect amount of time to go to the toilet and come back isn't it just looking at where everybody is now in in terms of this we've got alexa bliss as we record raw women's champion she's had a fantastic 12 months carmella miss money in the bank natalia still on smackers mickey james as alexa's buddy i'm a bit sad about becky lynch and what she's done over the over the last year i think she is a fantastic wrestler and a decent promo and I feel like she's very much been lost in the shuffle and desperately needs to be sent to Raw where they show some interest in the women's division. No, she really has. She's been completely lost. And again, looking back on NXT, it was kind of the same there. She was kind of always a little bit overshadowed by the kind of stronger personalities of Sasha and Bailey and Charlotte there when they had the four horsewomen thing going on. And came up pretty quickly as well, didn't she, Yes. Becky? And what I did notice recently is that she's changed her Twitter name to her real name. Mm. So it's, it's still at Becky Lynch WWE, but it's Rebecca Quinn as her name. Tweet so us your conspiracy theories. Tweet us your conspiracy <laughs> theories. At the PU podcast, we won't be changing that. Naomi got the win here on home turf. She actually won in front of um, in front of her her hometown crowd, if you like. Although I bet about one percent of the audience was actually from Orlando. What would you do to make the SmackDown women's scene a bit better than five people standing in a semicircle talking backstage to the authority figure every week? How, how do they give that a bit of pep? I think that the, the problem with the women's division that they have creatively is that they can only sustain a title, a title match storyline. They can't do anything else there, uh, which is a real shame. And I, I think, well, they should just have the women on one show rather than splitting them between the two. Um, or they should have, you know, they've got enough programming. They could have the women's stuff as a separate thing and really build it up. There are there are arguments for and against that. Yeah, I think if you started having the women in a separate program, it would be kind of like having in a in a bit of a silo, I think. And I think that's kind of happened a little bit with the cruiserweights, which I was really interested in when it was the cruiserweight challenge. And I'm not so fussed about it being on 205 Live. There's only so much time I have in the week to actually dedicate to following. All, all these shows they keep putting out for me because I, th- I think I can speak for all of us here the, the, the May Young Classic that was fantastic mm-hmm. to watch and the tournament system that they do there and Vince famously doesn't like tournaments but I think it works really well for these uh, you know things of lesser interest to the general uh, wrestling population yeah I think the May Young Classic worked fantastically well and I thought it was a fantastic series and I thought it did a really good job of introducing a lot of new people to an audience bringing some backstory but also making them relevant to the WWE audience but I d- yeah it just doesn't translate to the, to, the, to the main programming and before we move on to the main event can we just throw some love the way of Alexa Bliss who was the outgoing champion here and what a year she has had since and what a massive asset she is to the company JR's got the um, t-shirt I'm wearing on. my Alexa Bliss t-shirt today no uh, um, absolutely like hands down the best female heel on the roster um you know we talked about charlotte being a natural heel alexa is is on another level um i loved her uh, promo after winning her match at elimination chamber where it looked like she was about to turn face um she's you know she's she's tearing up she's saying oh my god you know thanks um thank you to all the fans for for all of this and then she just completely turns on them and that is just classic alexa bliss like she she's she can back it up in in the ring and her and her and um, and Charlotte are—they're the only ones who, who are kind of—they're just standing above everybody else and in the women's roster in SmackDown right now. So, last of all, Roman Reigns pins the Undertaker in about twenty-three minutes. Um, this match 
Well, I mean, what can you say about it other than it was quite sad? I thought it was quite telling. Again, on the 24 episode, they show Reigns on the day by the ring and very anti-Roman Reigns style. He looks absolutely terrified, like he knows the significance of what's happening. JBL says if Roman Reigns wrestles for another 20 years, he'll never have another match as big as this. Um, I don't know about you guys, but I felt really sad for the two wrestlers involved that they weren't able to do what we wanted them to do. Absolutely. Like watching this match was like having a dog and taking it to the vet knowing you're going to have to get it put down. <laughs> that is a brutal but fantastic analogy, yeah. No, absolutely. No, this, yeah, I just didn't want to see this match happen. I don't, I don't really want to see Undertaker wrestle again this year. And I kind of almost feel like after the streak, maybe he should have just called it a day. Yeah, I wouldn't disagree with that necessarily. Um, Big problem here, Ben, was that the crowd had been there for seven hours at this point. I thought it was deathly quiet for this. Well, and nearly eight hours after the Undertaker's entrance as well. <laughs> that that was that was brutal, um, and his departure too. Yeah, it was it was very sad. You know, he had uh, the Undertaker here. He had the the Brock trilogy, which was surprisingly good, but he was in really bad shape here. He was an old man in leather trousers. There were some awful botches. Apologies to Austin Aries for that. <laughs> you know, the two reverse tombstone spots and then just say, just punch me really hard so I go down. Um, and then the rollover, the, the sit-up and the rollover, you know, which was meant to evoke all sorts of pathos and everything, but was just actually quite quite funny. Um, it, was, it was sad to see because Undertaker was such a huge part of me getting into wrestling when I was younger. And as we're, you know, when we go through... The, the WrestleManias in the particularly in the twenties and the late teens when he's absolutely sensational and he can't do any of that now. So no. I would have I would have rather have not seen this match than him lumber on out there and then lay his hat down. In yeah, there. I would agree. And Carrie, we don't really throw, or well, I don't certainly throw much blame Roman Reigns away for what happened. It, I, anybody would have struggled to, to no, drag can, the decent match out of Taker. Yeah, what can you do? And I think that's probably part of why Reigns was actually nervous before going on because it's a hell of a responsibility to main event at WrestleMania, but also to make sure that you're looking after someone who's in that kind of physical shape as well. And the fact that he came out pretty much you know, unscathed, I think that's pretty much all mm. you can really hope for. Um, I will say, though, as well, like I, Reigns' promo... At Raw the next night was fantastic. Oh, he just yeah. came out and the crowd must have booed him for like five minutes and then he just said, it's my yard now and just walked out. I thought that was amazing and I would have loved for WWE to go fill in on heel Roman Reigns from that point. But If I could have one conversation with Vince McMahon at the moment and I, know I would love to talk to him for hours and hours about everything but I would just love to ask him why aren't you turning Roman Reigns heel? You could become a legitimate billionaire. How can you not see this? We've all seen, I'm sure, that little bit of NXT footage when he's in the suit giving the heel promo. That is money. Why aren't they going with this? Because Vince loves his good-looking, muscular young men, doesn't he? He wants him to be the face of the company. He doesn't want him to be heel in the same way that he won't turn Cena heel. So... But he only need Reigns surely only needs a year, eighteen months as a heel, and then he'll be fully embraced as a face, and he'll still have ten years of his career left. No, I I agree. I'm just trying to bring you the logic of Vince, <laughs> which is difficult to be honest. That would be a short book, <laughs> wouldn't it? The logic of Vince. Yeah, so it's a it's a babyface territory, and he's you know looking at uh, taking it beyond wrestling itself. You know, he's a very handsome person who'll go on the Today program and uh, open the the stock market at Wall Street. Um, he'll probably be in movies as well. And it works much better if that guy's a goodie. Yeah, that's, a, that's sound logic. So the last shot that we get on, on this WrestleMania then is uh, Taker taking off his hat and coat, laying it in the ring, and then him holding his arm in the air with his back to camera as he's halfway up the ramp before a bong, and then we cut to black and we, we're finished with the show. So overall then, WrestleMania 33. Ben, let's start with you. What was your WrestleMania moment? It's going to be the Falcon Arrow from Seth Rollins. I've said earlier how much I enjoy watching him in the ring. He's he's just he's just my guy, and it, I I enjoyed this match more than the new guys. We didn't really talk about Triple H coming out on his brum brum machine and tootling along with the police there, but I think that for all that pageantry, you know, there was some there was some good stuff in ring, and, and Seth Rollins was was my favourite performer of the night. All right, Carrie. My serious one would be the pop for the Hardys. Not so serious one is when the cameras 
didn't quite cut away from the ramp in time, so you uh, saw all the older wrestlers being brought out to the ring on scooters down the ramp because that was quite <laughs> funny. Um, I'm, I'm going to go for a serious one and a non-serious one as well. Again, serious one, pot for the Hardys. Like I said, it was just it was such a shocking yet expected moment that I just couldn't I couldn't not mark out for it. Um, not serious one was um, actually during the pre-show during the Andre Giant Memorial Battle Royal when um, the security guard doesn't realise that you know the whole like that Gronk coming yeah, in guess. is a complete work and the, like, woman, she's, <laughs> like, she's like trying to like yeah. stop him and then somebody you know some member of WWE event staff has to go up to her and explain to her like no no no, no that's Gronk it's fine it's that's fine Gronk. It's, you know yeah um, so yeah that's that's I think that's going to be my wrestlemania moment all right well i think that the hardys is the standout moment of this wrestlemania but on a personal note i would go for charlotte's entrance just just because of the um the similarity with rick at at 24 and um the the nice footage they had of um, rick being backstage in gorilla watching um not getting emotional just saying she got more pyro than I did, which I thought was quite funny. And um, who doesn't love the flares? So that is WrestleMania 33, the ultimate thrill ride. Next week, WrestleMania 32, the biggest WrestleMania ever from Cowboy Stadium is the one we'll be breaking down. The Undertaker going up against Shane in Hell in a Cell. Rock's going to have a flamethrower. WWE are going to try and edit out the booze as Roman Reigns wins the belt from the ever selfless Triple H. Can't wait for that. Watch along with us. Let us know your thoughts at the PU podcast. Carrie, where are you on Twitter? At Carrie Sparkle. And JR. Oh, I hate doing this. I always have to spell it out. It's um, at John Ross underscore Swaby. That's J-O-N-R-O-S-S underscore S-W-A-B-Y. And Ben Green, yours is rather more simple. Yes, Green Ben Green. Uh, Carrie produces the most wrestling uh, related stuff on her Twitter feed. I would say that's true. I'm at Matt Davis FC. Davis is D-A-V-I-E-S. So follow me as well if you like. But more importantly, follow the brand at the PU podcast. I am Matt Davis. This has been Parts Unknown. We'll see you again soon. The Parts Unknown Wrestling Podcast is a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, please email sales at muddykneesmedia.com. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.